program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. So yeah, six years ago today, we're going to start out this episode with, uh, on this date in history, uh, <laughs> six years ago today, I started something that, um, well, I had no clue where it was going to land me. I had no clue what I was doing. How I was going to even make it work? Would it work? Did I care if it worked? Would I still have interest in doing this? Yeah, six years ago I started something. I was like, well, let's see where it goes. And six years later, well, I still haven't learned to shut up. So in the most Canadian way possible, let me say sorry about that. Anyways, let's just get on with the show from... The next level network of podcasts and the mad hell known as Studio Zero. Oh, I should also say, I promise, Stranger Things for the last two episodes. I won't talk about those till the end of this show so that I don't spoil anything for people who haven't seen it yet. But everything else I'm going to talk about in this episode, I'm going to spoil the hell out of in the most rotten ways imaginable. So you've been warned. Yes, anyways, welcome back everyone to... What lurks, what lurks behind, behind Podcast Zero? Zero. And I'm your host, Postmortem Paul. And okay, so July 4th. July 4th. Yes, many people remember it or celebrate it for other political reasons and stuff like that. But for me, it's different. Like, July 4th is an anniversary of sorts, but not because of you know, a U.S. holiday or anything like that. It's because six years ago, I decided in my basement on one night that I was going to record my voice. I was going to pick up a microphone, which at that time was a really cheap piece of shit, some $10 Walmart special thing with, you know, it was one of those earphone headsets with the microphones, but it was a really cheap kind. Yeah, it sounded bad. But anyways, yeah, I hooked it up to my laptop, and I started talking about comic book stuff. I mean, granted, six years ago, I was doing a different show. I wasn't doing this one. This one's been around for four years, uh, but prior to that, I was doing another show. Anyways, yeah, so it was four years ago. Four years ago, no, July 4th. Six years ago. Let me get my numbers right here. (laughs) Anyways, 
yeah, I decided I was going to be a podcaster. And I, I mean, there's been many inspirations behind all that. And I, I've talked about it before on this show, so I'm not going to go into all that all over again. But I mean, just kind of cool because this show specifically. So interesting little tidbit about this is that this is right now. Currently, I'm at the most successful I've been with any podcast. So I'm pretty happy about that. I don't know why you all keep coming back, but I love you for it. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> I know sometimes I, you know, and that's the thing. Like when I started podcasting and I decided I was going to put my voice out there. I mean, as a joke to myself, I said, well, let's start this for anyone who wants to be bored to death. You know, I, I'm one of those lower expectations. So I'm more easily satisfied kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, yeah, like. Six years I've been doing this, and it's weird because I haven't lost my voice yet. Which, considering how much you like this show or how much you like me, maybe a good thing or a bad thing, depending. But, um, <laughs> I know I, I stop with the insults to myself, but, um, I do that because it's funny, and I do that because, you know, why take everything so. so as the Joker would say, why so serious? Uh, and if you've been listening to this show, you know, for the most part, I haven't been very serious about anything. You know, I mean, sometimes I get my little rants and whatnot, but this show in its own right is sort of a satire on just everything. And that's basically what I wanted it to be. Just to have fun, poke fun at shit, and don't take it seriously, and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, yeah, so July 4th, is the anniversary of when I decided I was going to pick up a microphone and hit record on a laptop and see where it went. And we're here today with episode 125. We'll be talking about the movie Mad God. Yep. 2022 uh, Shutter exclusive. So we'll be talking about that. Also, a side note, something that was really cool, and I really, really, really loved, loved, loved this. I know I'm all about the threes and <laughs> repeating myself, but this was kind of cool because in the past, I've seen this before, but I never saw it as much as I did today, and I was very happy about it. Maybe it's algorithms, whatever. <laughs> but uh, July 3rd has somewhat basically become the return of the living dead day. Like, it's just, it's its own... It's not, uh, it's like a holiday that's not a holiday. Like, it's unofficial. That's the word I was thinking of. Unofficial holiday uh, for Return of the Living Dead. And, I mean, my social media feed was just littered with people showing the screenshot from the movie that says July 3rd, 5.30 p- p.m. and stuff like that. I-, I did it myself. You know, I got home from work in the morning and I was like, well, guess what I'm watching, kids? <laughs> you know, and... I did. I did my ritual watching of the movie when I got home. And I mean, it's a movie that has never bored me. I know some people out there, they like their zombie comedies like Shaun of the Dead, Warm Bodies, etc. So forth and all that other bullshit. But for me, Return of the Living Dead has always been, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies, let alone zombie comedies that has ever existed. So it was cool like to... You know, for for once in a while, it it happens, but it was nice to know that I could go on my social media and that's all I saw was Return of the Living Dead. And I was like, oh, you guys rule. This is awesome. (laughs) And I mean, let's face it, 
flawed, but it's still a perfect movie all these years later. No need to remake. Hollywood, fuck off. Okay. Um, let's talk about a movie, actually. A movie that I recently watched. This is kind of interesting. So, Tubi. Free service. You don't have to pay for it. You just start. You don't even have to log in, honestly. Like, I mean, if you have an account, it's great because it saves where you left off in a movie and stuff like that. But Tubi is really cool because you don't have to sign in to use it. You can just go on, click a movie, and go. Um, it's just if you're signed in, it's awesome because you can have your own watch list. You can keep track of where you are, especially if you're watching like a series on there or something like that. But whatever. Tubi now is doing original content. This is awesome. I didn't know about this. I only recently found out. Well, no. When did I find out? There was that movie Lazarus. It was a superhero movie, and I saw that on there. But I wasn't seeing a lot of original content at that point. I think that was one of their first. Um, I still haven't watched it, actually. <laughs> kind of meant to, and then just never happened. But anyways, I recently found out that there's a new horror movie on there. And I was like, all right. And all it took to get me to watch it was one name. Kane Hodder. All right, I'm in. That was pretty fucking easy. Uh, and I didn't bother looking up reviews. I didn't care what the rating was. I was like, okay, Kane Hodder, free movie on a free service. How well, you can't go wrong, right? Well, I mean, okay, so before I jump into what I thought about the movie, let's just put this out there. From what I had been reading online about the Tubi originals, most of them, I guess, weren't that good. Now, I don't know. I've heard there's one with Michael Rooker and Bruce Willis is on there. A friend of mine told me that that one's actually pretty good, so I'll probably check it out. But from what I had been hearing, a lot of the Tubi original content really wasn't that great. But again, I, I asked these people that complain, why? It's free. What the fuck are you bitching about? You pay for your Wi-Fi. That's it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I kept my expectations low, and because I did, well, I gotta say, the movie Toe, it's a 2022 film starring Kane Hodder, was not that bad. I mean, it's weird. Uh, basically, the story is about these twin sisters who, I, when they were younger, they escaped from some serial killer known as The Mechanic. And I don't know, he killed their parents, but they, but the kids escaped and years later, they're now having to deal with him again. He's on death row though. He's locked up in prison. He's on death row. He's headed for the electric chair and all this shit. Supposedly at the end of this day in the movie, um, yet he's still able to wreak havoc on the sisters through like means of the occult and different satanic rituals and shit. And I mean, <laughs> I'm saying all this and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Sounds hokey, doesn't it? Surprisingly, though, it's executed quite well. I mean, confusing at times, but I'm about to be talking about a really, really confusing movie, so um, it's okay. I don't, like I said, it's free. You don't pay for it. You don't pay for the service. You don't pay to... It's not a video on demand or anything. So... And the thing is, is once you start, okay, you let the movie play out, right? Don't give up on it. Let it play out. At first, yeah, you're kind of like, this is fucking, what the fuck is going on? Like, why does it have like this, like, like sometimes the screen does this weird thing where it looks like the old 3D comics you used to read in the 80s with the blue and red glasses and stuff like that. It'll do that and it jumps in and out and you're like, what's it doing? But once you get the gist of how the movie's playing out, it ends up that it's not as confusing anymore. Um... It's got a great use of tension. I'm not going to lie about that. Even if you really don't know what's going on, it's very tense. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. 
Um, nice kill scenes. Nice amount of blood and effects. I mean, there's not, it's not over, well, it starts off great. I think within like the first two minutes, you see some nice bloody scenes and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, the movie. Okay. So it's not going to change your life. The pacing seems a little up and down at at times. Um, but it's an all right movie. I mean, you sit back, turn your brain off and just Go for the toe. I I know it's supposed to be go for the ride, but hey, you get what I'm saying. I will say one thing, though. One thing that this movie does absolutely do fucking phenomenal, and it must be noted. The score for this movie is done by Jeffrey Allen Jones. Phenomenal. I mean, this is a really good score, and... I was impressed. I was really impressed by the music. If anything, that's probably... Part of what kept me watching it was because the music was just great. And Kane Hodder. You don't really see his face. He's wearing a hood the whole movie and stuff like that. So whatever. It is what it is. But it's it does some things. It's not directly a straight-up slasher. Sort of supernatural. A little bit of satanic this and occultist that. And then there's a nice twist at the end of the movie. Um, Overall, it's not horrible. It's worth it. it. Let's put it that way. Like I said, free it's on Tubi. They're not asking for any money. They're asking you watch it and enjoy it. And can't ask for anything more, right? Um, it's about it for things that I've watched. Aside from Stranger Things, which I'll talk about later in the show. I know some of you haven't gotten to it yet, so I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to spoil it. We'll we'll let you have your day. <laughs> but I am putting it at the end of this episode. Uh, things to note, though, some cool things. We got a lot of news in the past week. Um, Shutter fans, yes, those of you who like The Last Drive-In, well, before the season four finale even came uh, with um, Uncle Sam and Nightbreed, the director's cut, we were already informed that season five is coming next year. So... More Joe Bob, more more Darcy. I mean, I'm assuming there will be a few holiday specials as well before next year. They usually do Halloween. They do Christmas. I'd like to see them do New Year's for once, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Unless they skip Christmas and do New Year's or whatever, but I I don't know. Um, Valentine's? I like it, but... Is there really enough for another Valentine special? I really don't know. Um, unless they do Valentine from, what was it, uh, 2001, I think, is when that movie came out or whatever. Um, who knows? We'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure Halloween is a, a definite for the last drive-in. But yes, Season 5 was announced. Big news for Canada. Okay. For my home country. Um... So I've been doing something using a VPN for quite some time now. There's a, a service. It's already in like 30 countries in the world. Somehow or another, Canada. Well, we, okay. I shouldn't say we didn't have it. We had it, but it was like really shitty and almost like neglected to fuck. Pluto TV. Okay. is finally coming to Canada. And when I say this, I mean like we are getting like a full blown Pluto TV service now. It's not six channels with one of them being Mystery Science Theater and the rest are shit. Um, (laughs) We're actually getting like a hundred plus channels to choose from. Paramount and Chorus Entertainment here in Canada apparently have come to an agreement on advertising packages and content availability. 
So finally, here in Canada, we'll get Pluto TV. I've been using a VPN for the longest time because I love the uh, Pluto Horror Channel. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it can get repetitive and they show the same movies a couple times throughout a week. But I do like the variety they have as well. Plus, there's an on-demand function that has a fucking shit ton of movies. So <laughs> I've always liked Pluto. And, and I mean, what? The, the U.S. one, which is usually the one I connect to. Uh, Pluto Horror is one of the channels. Pluto Terror, 80s Rewind. Uh, there's an Adams Family channel that is 24-7. The 1960s Adams Family is on that. Uh, Pluto Reaction is a good channel. I watched The Crow on it just the other day, actually. Um, there's Pluto Thriller. There, there's a Mystery Science Theater. There's the Bob Ross channel. There's, like, a whole bunch of fucking awesome shit. Yeah, they got news. I figure here in Canada we'll get, like, City TV and Global and CBC. In the States it's a lot of CNBC and, um, Fox News and stuff like that. So, I mean... I figure there's parts of it that are going to be very Canadian. I'm sure we're going to get a few Canadian channels uh, versus what the Americans get versus what the Australians get in the UK and stuff like that. But it's kind of cool to know it's finally coming. Now, if they don't have the Pluto Horror Channel, I'll be doing what I've always been doing, and that is turning on my VPN and going to the US one. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see what happens. But that's kind of cool. In other news, Bloody Disgusting and Screambox. Screambox is a US-only streaming service for horror films. Anyways, they have acquired the sequel to the original Terrifier. So Terrifier 2 will have distribution in theaters and exclusive release through Screambox this coming fall. That sucks, though, if you don't live in the United States. Because Screambox is only available in the United States and nowhere else. Nowhere else, sorry. Uh, for the past five to ten years at least, I even emailed them, God, it must have been about five, six years ago, when they first were starting to get a buzz. I emailed them personally and said, hey, you guys going to come to Canada? Like, come on. This would be great. Like, I'll, I'll eat up as many horror service, you know, streaming services as I can find. I'm I'm not worried about it. Like I'll I watch Tubi for my horror. I watch Shutter. I watch Pluto. I'll, Screenbox. I'll add you too. Well, yeah. Anyways, they've been saying for a while they're gonna go international, but at this point, I think they've either given up or just never tried because it's still U.S. only. You click on it and you try to sign up, and they're like, "No, you can't do that. You live in a country that is not America." So it's like, all right. But that being said. I mean, let's look at the positives of this. Terrifier 2 will now get a wide release, U.S. only at the moment. But I'm sure, because the rest of the world, we are not stupid. We will find a way to watch this movie. But at least we know it's getting a release. It's about time. I know Damien Leone and David David Howard Thornton, uh, Lauren Levera, and uh, many of them have been, like, waiting for this. Like, come on, we got to get this movie out there. And it's coming, finally. I know that also the soundtrack is up for pre-order. I've already got mine on pre-order, so looking forward to that. So, yeah, that's happening. And then the Ring U series, the Japanese Ring, basically, uh, adding another sequel to their library with uh, Sadako DX, which is a sequel to the 2019 film Sadako. And I guess kind of like Halloween, they have like their weird timelines and shit like that. But anyways, there's a new one coming. Um, so that's interesting to know. I, I did 
I saw an article recently that I thought was kind of cool um, because there's apparently there is a group of people in this world <laughs> waiting for a sequel to Shaun of the Dead. I I seriously had no clue this was a thing, but apparently there is a group of people that have been feverishly waiting for a Shaun of the Dead sequel. Simon Pegg recently was interviewed and he stated that he's baffled there's still a wanting for this. Um, because he feels that the story can't go any further. Edgar Wright, when he was interviewed about it, said basically the same thing. He's like, he feels he's done all he can do with the story without it feeling stale or rehashed. And my input on this is, I'm not going to lie, I like the way these guys think. One and done doesn't hurt, fellas. Like, I'm okay with Shaun of the Dead being its only one thing. Sure, a sequel might be fun, but you got to have a really good story to make that work. And I don't know. I mean, sure, we've got, you know, um, you know, Nick is like in the shed now and he's, you know, Sean's zombie friend and stuff. But I mean, how do you further that? I, I, I did read, I think it was Simon Pegg kind of joked and said, well, I guess if we brought vampires into it, it might be a little bit more fun. But I don't know. I don't see how you can make Shaun of the Dead a, like a sequel of that work unless they come up with something really creative. So that won't be a sequel. But finally, I'm also going to end on one last bit of news that I thought was really interesting and putting out there. Uh, Lakeshore Records have put up the pre-orders on their site for Stranger Things Season 4 soundtracks, Volumes 1 and 2. It's another two-volume set, which technically I think Season 3 is the only one who didn't have that. Uh, Season 1 had Volume 1 and Volume 2. Season 2 had the Season 2 release and then the Halloween Upside Down special that they put out which was basically a continuation of the season two sound uh like score and then there was season three had a double album and that was it season four going back to that format of two volumes it's going to be like something like 80 tracks total it's already available for streaming on spotify and apple and all those different things the vinyls though however uh volume one is what they're calling max's blue world and it comes on transparent blue wax and Volume 2 will be Vecna's Red World, and it'll be completely red and blue marble, uh, like a, like sort of like a, a, like a, what do they call that, a splatter uh, sort of vinyl and whatnot. There's no release date as of yet, but you can pre-order to guarantee you get them on release day. Um, as I said, as I said, the finale, the last two episodes, I will talk about those at the end of this episode. I, w- I don't want to spoil... For those of you who haven't seen it yet, I mean, to be quite honest, I think the world was. What did I hear? Netflix crashed on the uh, the night of July first, like the morning of or whatever, at like three o'clock a.m. Apparently, the site crashed. I guess there wasn't problems here in my hometown, but I guess other countries, like it went kaput. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess a lot of people were anticipating and waiting. For it, no, we weren't really, were we? I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> anyways, more of that at the end of the episode. Now it's time for an intermission. It's an intermission. I can't call it the trailer timeout this week, guys. There's a lot to explain about that, but 
this trailer would have been really boring for me to share in audio format. So, it's an intermission. And when we return, we're going to talk about everything stop-motion animation goodness. And we're going to talk about everything that is Phil Tippett's mind. We're going to talk about everything that is just, holy shit, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> like, Because it's that kind of movie. When we come back, Mad God. But until then, intermission time. This little boy, this little girl, their mother and father too. They all have an urge and oh, what an urge for something to munch and chew. Chew, chew. Now these are just swell and this rings the bell. The popcorn is crispy and hot. Then others again have a terrible yen for a drink that hits the spot. Go, go. So if you want candy, the lobby is handy. A counter with sweets and a crew. With your kind permission, we'll have intermission. We're ready to serve all of you. Okay, I know that wasn't your typical kind of trailer timeout. Like I said, it's an intermission. But I mean, the trailer for Phil Tippett's Mad God has no words, like at all. So, I mean, they're written on the screen when you watch the trailer, but this is an audio thing. And how do you do an audio trailer with no words, no dialogue, no nothing? So that's why I went with that. I know Blast to the Past probably came out before most of you were even born, but hey. It is what it is. Also, I thought I would mention this. I just saw this on social media while I was, you know, editing and playing around with the sound and whatnot. Uh, anyways, July 3rd is also an anniversary of another sort. Uh, sort of depressing, actually, because it's also the death day, the date of the passing of Jim Morrison of The Doors. And you're like, what the fuck does Jim Morrison have to do with a stop-motion animation movie? Let me explain. Jim Morrison was a rock god, okay? Let's just put that out there now. He was a rock god. And now we're going to jump into Phil Tippett's Mad God. See? I know, it only makes sense in my brain, but hey, it is what it is. Phil Tippett's Mad God. Technically, is a movie from 2021. And that's because it was shown at many film festivals. Uh, it's premiere. The first time it was ever seen by audiences that were not involved with the movie. <laughs> uh, Locarno Film Festival in Switzerland. And I believe it was either June or July 5th. I didn't write down dates for this. I only wrote down one date and that was the worldwide release through Shutter. Um, because the film festivals, there was a lot of different release dates. United States was actually the fourth country in the chronological order to see the movie. Uh, before the United States, there was Edinburgh International Film Festival in the UK saw it. Following them was uh, the Fantasia International Film Festival in Canada. And then the United States got it at Fantastic Fest and Beyond Fest. And I believe it was... It was either the same day or a week apart or something like that. So, um, But the worldwide release, somewhat, to the world, June 16th through Shudder, uh, 2022. So that's why at the beginning of the episode when I was talking about Mad God and I said, it's a movie from 2022, that's why. Because technically through Shudder, I think it, in other countries where Shudder is not available, I do believe they have it through other digital services like 
on demand and whatnot. I'm not 100% positive on that, but I do know in countries where Shudder is available, that's how you can see this movie. That's how I watched it. And, um, yeah, I'm glad I did. So, this review, by the way, I'm going to say right now, is going to be done very different from past reviews that I've done. In that, okay, for starters, let's just put this out there. Mad God was written, produced, directed by Phil Tippett, who was also responsible for the cinematography, production design, props, special effects, character design, and additional editing. So as you can see, when you're talking about this movie by Phil Tippett, Phil Tippett and Tippett Studios pretty much did most of this movie. So there's there's credits to be given, but it's not like a traditional film where I have a different producer and I have a different, you know, a, like a cast of like 10 characters and stuff. This is done differently. Let's talk about Phil Tippett, though, because, I mean, he's the brain behind this movie. He's the reason this movie exists, right? Phil is... An American movie director. He was born in California. Uh, he's a native of Berkeley, California, I believe. He was born United States movie director. He's an Oscar and Emmy award-winning visual 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 effects supervisor, and he's also a producer. But his specialty is yes, stop motion animation, um, creature design, and practical effects. The good stuff. The stuff that we. You know, us horror minds, us sci-fi minds, this is the shit we live for, right? So, a little bit of history on Phil Tippett. In 1984, he formed his own company, Tippett Studios. This was right after he worked on Return of the Jedi, which we all remember that one for his amazing work on the Rancor battle in at Jabba's Palace. But this all starts for Phil way earlier than all of this because at a very young age I believe I read he was I think it was he was seven or something like that he saw Ray Harryhausen's The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and apparently according to him that was the moment he knew what he wanted to do he wanted to do special effects he wanted to do film Um, fast forward to 1975 he's asked by George Lucas to help work on this new upcoming film called Star Wars. Now, at the time, he was working at Cascade Pictures, um, but George approached him, knew what his, knew what Phil could do, and said he wanted him to uh, come to the set of Star Wars and work on a miniature chess scene in the movie. You know the one. You know the one I'm talking about, the one where the Wookiee must win. It's not wise to let a Wookiee lose at chess. Yes, he worked on that scene. Um... And afterwards, he then uh, he was asked by Joe Dante to come help film Piranha. Like, he worked on Piranha. Uh, he was uncredited for that one, though. After that, it was Empire Strikes Back um, with the epic battle. Like, that whole Hoth scene with the AT-ATs and whatnot, that's all Phil Tippett. He worked on that. Uh, he worked on creating the Tauntauns, the... the little dinosaur-like creatures that Han and Luke were riding in the snow, the Tauntauns. I know most of you know Star Wars, so you know what I'm talking about. But in the event someone is listening to this and is like, I'm a Star Trek guy. I don't know what Star Wars is all about. I, I know they got little light swords and they fight with people and stuff. And Spaceballs was better. Like, in case you're that guy <laughs> and you don't know what a Tauntaun is, I'm explaining it. 
but it was Return of the Jedi, that Rancor scene and whatnot, that got Bill his first Oscar win. And rightfully so. I mean, say what you want about the Ewoks. Okay, fine. But the stop motion animation in Return of the Jedi is on fucking point. Uh, in 1986, he worked on Robocop. He, um, he didn't create the Ed 209. Okay, so that was Craig Hayes, who also apparently goes by Craig Davies. Uh, he did that, but Bill was the one that was brought in to animate it and give it life and all that sort of stuff. And also in 1986, Bill Tippett worked on Howard the Duck. He was responsible for uh, modeling the dark overlord creatures and whatnot. Yeah, he created those. So, I mean, he he was busy in the you know late 70s to early 80s and whatnot. But it's 84, he creates Tippett Studio. And by the way, I'm just warning you now, this is a very early warning because it could be a while before I get to this. I will review Howard the Duck one day on this show. It's a definite. It's going to happen. So I'm just putting that out there now. Back to Tippett. So in 1990, he begins work on RoboCop 2. And this is where our story also begins for Mad God. Uh, but quickly before all that, there's something that I want to note to tie into the story. Is that it? one year later in 1991, Tippett and Hayes, they were approached by Steven Spielberg to work on a film called Jurassic Park. And this is a movie that uh, we basically Phil Tippett was brought in to animate the dinosaurs. And then all of a sudden that sort of went to the wayside because uh, along comes industrial light and magic. Their animators are brought in to do the computer graphic animation. Well, Tippett is known for stop motion and, you know, taking his time. Well, now with computers, we can do everything faster and we can do everything better. But Tippett was kept on as a supervisor because he understood the way animals moved and reacted. He knew body movements and stuff like that. And I might also add this in turn gave him his second Oscar win, um, his work on Jurassic Park. But now we go back to 1990. And this is where Phil Tippett starts Mad God. And Mad God was an independent project. It wasn't, you know, run by any studio or anything like this. This was something he wanted to do. It was a passion project. He wanted to work on it. And it was at the time when his studio was on the rise and gaining a lot of attention and work. So, hey, why not? But then after a bit, though, and with the release of Jurassic Park in 1993 and this whole new age of CG animation... He kind of dropped Mad God. He dropped the project. He was like, he started to really think, you know, with computers being the new norm and CGI being all the hype and the rave and everything like that, who's going to care about some stop motion animation flick or, you know, practical effects were starting to look like they were on their way out. <laughs> we know living in 2022, how that all worked because yes, we do the CGI, but people do love that practical shit. Um, so more or less, if anything, you know, after 1993, the project was maybe something he would dabble with, but it didn't look like more Mad God was going to be anything more than that. Now we fast forward to 2010. He decides he's going to bring the project back to life, but he doesn't have the money to fund it. So he starts a Kickstarter campaign. Now, the, the, the funding that was needed that he would, to, you know, to finish the project, he's looking at a goal of about 40000 well, he got that on June 16th of 2012, but on top of that, the final tally on this thing was not 40,000. It was 125,000. And from that point, you know, Mad God would be worked on and completed. 
the thing was, was that as he was com- completing certain parts of it, he was releasing them. So before Mad God comes out in 2021 to the film festivals in 2022 to the world, there was parts one, two, and three were released. They were released. There's short clips, um, having different scenes from the movie and whatnot. They look gorgeous. They looked amazing. Most people didn't see them. I mean, I know I didn't. I, Mad God was something I knew about, but I could never, I could never find the short films anywhere. So it was one of those things where it's like, I, I knew about it, but I just kind of forgot about it. And then all of a sudden we hear it's coming to shutter and it's like, oh, fuck, I am so, so odd. Like, I'm so happy about this, you know? But anyways, yes. Yeah, so this has been noted as being the film that took 30 years to create because technically it started in 1990. It wasn't finally viewed until 2021. Um, now, in terms of other credits, I mean, because Phil and his studio are basically responsible for every aspect of the film, but there's still a few other credits to give. Um, so cinematography, yes, Phil Tippett did most of it, but he had an assistant. He had someone that helped him. It was Chris Morley. Um, whose nickname apparently is Simo, which if you're from the Detroit area and you know your baseball, is also the name that Craig Monroe goes by. But anyways, that's a local thing. Uh, so yes, Chris Morley also helped on cinematography for Mad God. Um, and now he does, yes, he works for Tippett Studio, but I felt he was worth mentioning because he's got some credits to his name that are, you know, they're kind of intriguing, actually. He's normally a, fe- a visual effects supervisor, and a compositor. He does uh, compositing for the animation and whatnot. But for the Mad God Project, he was co-cinematographer. And he also did actually help on the special effects department for Mad God. I did actually write that down. But other films... See, this is the part... This is why I brought him up. Because the other films he's worked on... Some of them are actually kind of cool. Because he worked on Blade 2, which is a movie I've talked about on this show. He worked on Cloverfield, which is a show, a movie I've talked about on this show. Uh, he also worked on the movie Horns, and then he worked in certain uh, TV series such as The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and The Orville. Um, the Orville is the only one I haven't watched, but I do know that Ben, who's part of this podcast network, uh, he, he loves the show. So I was like, all right, I'll mention it for Ben in case he's listening. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, Moving on to music score. Music score was not done by Tippett Studio. It was done by a man by the name of Dan Wool. Uh, he composed the full score for Mad God, including the three uh, short films. His music accompanied those as well. And then when the big presentation came, his score is all over it. Uh, he started doing uh, uh, started off doing film scores in 1986, but he was credited as Pray for Rain because it was sort of like a music production group that he led. There were other musicians involved, but he was credited as Pray for Rain. And the first film he ever did was in 1986, the film Sid and Nancy with Gary Oldman. So comes out swinging with a banger. Um, and then after that, he would do a lot of TV score work. He worked on a few documentary films and other short films as well. Uh, he worked on a Tales from the Crypt episode, the one The Bribe, uh, starring our favorite stepfather, Terry O'Quinn. Uh, also, Benicio Del Toro was a part of that episode. Um, I will mention his soundtrack for Mad God is available digitally right now to stream through apps like Amazon Music and Spotify. I've already mentioned that. Um, also, Waxwork Records. They have the digital soundtrack on sale now. Uh, 
And yes, there's a vinyl release coming. Absolutely. Uh, pre-orders being taken for that. Uh, November 2022 is when the vinyl release should begin shipping. Yes, I will answer the question that you're not asking. Mine's already on pre-order. <laughs> um, so, starring cast. Is there a starring cast in a stop-motion animation flick? There is, sort of. Okay, so I wrote down about four. Um, even though it's primarily stop-motion animation, there's a few live-action sequences in the movie that are sort of blended in and whatnot. And some of the special effects were done using live-action actors in costumes and whatnot. So I felt I would mention a few of them. Uh, basically, uh, starting off with Alex Cox as the last man. That's how he's credited. Uh, he was in Sid and Nancy, uh, was in an uncredited role in that movie. Uh, he was also in uh, Repo Man. And I believe that one was uncredited as well. But then when he started to finally get some credits in films, he was in The Oxford Murders with Elijah Wood and John Hurt. Uh, he was in the movie Repo Chick. Um, and he was in a film called The Curse of the Dragon Sword, which is a film currently available on Tubi uh, that he also produced. And apparently uh, a lot of people are actually really liking it. So I thought I would mention it because it was like, I haven't seen it yet myself, but I guess it like harkens back to the days of the old like samurai films from the 70s and whatnot. So definitely one worth checking out. Anthony Ruivivar, I think I'm just, I probably just butchered his last name, but you actually know a lot of the stuff he's been in. Now he plays the character of the witch in Mad God. Uh, he's a veteran actor and a voice actor. Um, he's done films like Starship Troopers. Simply Irresistible with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, he was in a film called Last Cat Corona that uh, starred um, Ralph Macchio, 2017 flick. Uh, there's uh, series work, though. Series work. He was in series like Southland, uh, Avengers Assemble, American Horror Story, Scream the TV series. Interesting, he was in Beware the Batman, and that's probably where you might recognize him most because he was the voice of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, which, by the way, that is a series that is highly underrated just because a lot of people didn't like that rubbery 3D animation that they've been doing with a lot of like series like Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner and stuff like that. Yes, it too did that, uh, much like the Green Lantern series that was you know, previous to this and whatnot. It's a good series, and it's very underrated. I absolutely loved it, and he was great as Batman, by the way. He was also in The Haunting of Hill House, which, in my opinion, is still a perfect 10. If you remember me talking about that a long time ago. Um, let's see. Niketa Roman as the nurse. Uh, this is her only acting gig, but I brought her up because she's done visual effects work on a lot of cool projects that include Blade 2, Cloverfield, Drag Me to Hell, she's worked on that one, Horns, uh, the series Cosmos, a space-time odyssey with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, which was actually really good. Um, let's see, she worked on Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, in the DC realm, she worked on Stargirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and The Flash. And she has an, she's done work on a new series that's coming out uh, July 29th, the Prime Video, Paper Girls, 
which apparently is a series. I didn't read the comics, by the way. It's based on a comic book, but it's a series that takes place after Halloween of 1988. Like it's, I guess it starts Halloween 1988 and then take, it goes further from that or whatever. Anyways, I guess I don't, from what I get, it's like dealing with like, like, well, it's, I know it's based somewhat in the in horror, but I, I honestly I have no clue about this show. It just I saw the trailer the other day and I was like, I might check that out. I know it's it looks like it's sort of trying to um, piggyback off of the whole Stranger Things phenomena. Uh, you know, kids dealing with magic and hauntings and stuff like that. At least that's what I get from it. If you know more, you can feel free to tell me because I, I'm not going to lie. I, all I knew is that it was once a comic book, <laughs> but it looked interesting. And I'm like, I might check that out. Finally, I thought I would bring up Hans Brecke. I think I'm saying his last name right. Actually, guys, I'm pretty impressed with myself. Anyways, he plays the assassin. This is his only acting gig. Again, another person more known for visual effects worked on Cloverfield drag me to hell uh the desolation of smog and the battle of the five armies in the hobbit trilogy he worked on all the twilight films except the except the first one so new moon eclipse and the two breaking dawn flicks he worked on those he worked on mirror mirror and dawn of the planet of the apes so that's pretty much it for cast um there's not much else i can talk about the runtime for Mad God is an hour and 23 minutes long. It's an unrated flick. The box office gross was only 133000 But this is kind of cool. It has been, to this point, the most viewed premiere on Shudder to date in 2022. So of all the premieres they've had, and they've had a lot this year, there's been a lot of the new content coming out of Shudder, this was the one that had the most views. Bravo, guys. Synopsis for the film. It's basically... I just copied and pasted this right off Shudder. Uh, follow the assassin through a forbidding world of tortured souls, decrepit bunkers, and wretched monstrosities forged from the most primordial horrors of the subconscious mind. Directed by Phil Tippett, the world's preeminent stop-motion animator, every set, creature, and effigy in this macabre masterpiece is handcrafted and painstakingly animated using traditional stop-motion techniques. You're like, oh, that doesn't tell me a whole lot. Well, maybe my segment called What the Fuck Will? Uh, <laughs> because... That was my very first impression. I've watched this movie now four times. I know you're like, you're obsessed, Paul. Yes, I am actually is. This is an interesting flick. Um, let me put it to you this way. This was my very first description after seeing it the first time. I wrote this on my social media. This is word for word what I wrote the first time. Take the macabre mind of H.R. Giger, Richard Stanley's hardware, tools, music videos, the Hell and Beauty of Clive Barker's Hellraiser World, Leviathan. The Afterlife of Beetlejuice. The Darker Parts of The Nightmare Before Christmas. And The Rabbit Hole of Wonderland. 
And you take all that, add some serious hard fucking drugs to this mix, and the wizardly creative mind of Phil Tippett, and you have Mad God. And that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. That was just my first initial reaction. It was like, oh, what the fuck did I just watch? So here's the thing. No dialogue, no narration. Hence the trailer. My problems with the trailer was like, what do I do? Nobody said a fucking word in this movie. Like there's nothing there's it's literally music and visuals sound effects. Yes. All the you have basically just visuals, music and your own thinking process. That's how you have to deal with this movie. And there are many that believe there is no plot or cohesive story here. But is that really the case? Because the first time I watched it, I was like, just probably I was probably just as confused as everyone else. I was like, the fuck is going on here? But I've watched it a couple times since, and now I'm starting to wonder that maybe audiences have just gotten too lazy. Maybe there is something to be said here. Maybe the movie is challenging us to actually wake up and pay attention. Because let's be honest here, okay? The big blockbuster smash hits that we're basically mindfucked to believe are the best of the best. The movies of the that the Academy tells us we should love because they're cinematic wine that would only get more divine with age. Then you have the Marvel and the Lucasfilm monster mega universe. Oh my God, did you see the series and this movie and this short film? And did you read the comment, the comic? And did you catch the commercial? Because they all add up into one big story. And if you missed any of this, you won't have the same appreciation of it as I do. You know, all those kinds of projects. Uh, <laughs> because seriously, some of that shit can be exhausting. Sure, all of these can be great, though. I'm not, I'm, I'm like the rest of you. I watch it, too. I enjoy quite a bit of it. It can be loved. It can be adored. And at times, it's either not challenging enough because the exposition dumps in them. It's like, well, I don't have to think about a fucking thing. Or at the same time, these projects are also the type that can become too tiresome to keep our own attention long enough to keep our brains exercised and strong. Mad God, on the other hand, insists you pay attention. You apply thought. You think for yourself. Timothy Leary would be happy. And you enjoy some mind-blowing visuals at the same time. Mad God is poetry in the form of eye candy. And there is a message. Do we know what that message is? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. As much as I spew this rhetoric like I know so much, even I admit at times I was confused just as... I was confused as fuck at times, just like everybody else. But, I mean, at the same time, it's a confused I don't mind. I I look at this as a, a form of art at the same time. Like, so sometimes art is confusing. You know, you hear that song. The writer that wrote that song had something in mind. You're going to get something totally different from it. Or you might not understand what the song's about. Apparently, this was the problem with Rage Against the Machines killing in the name when everyone all of a sudden went, I don't like that they've gone political. Wait, what? What the fuck did you think you were listening to in 1991? But I mean, you know, and that was in 2020 when people were like, I don't like that it's all politics now. It always fucking was. But see, that's the thing. Sometimes we just don't think about it. This, this movie is confusing. And it's not easy to understand. But not every movie has to be either. I mean, there's some of those easy movies to understand that 20 minutes later, I forgot what I even fucking watched. This stuck with me. I mean, I was thinking about this well after it was done. And like I said, I went back and revisited it three more times. Um, 
Okay, so, as, and, and let's put this out there, okay? As much as I love horror films, I admit a vast majority of them can all blend easily into one at the same time. Like, like I was just saying to you, sometimes I forget what I saw 20 minutes before. Horror films sometimes suck because it's like, I'll see a title, I'll be like, I know I saw that. And then I can't tell you what it, the movie was about. Or I'll forget things. Like, I have one friend, he he literally remembers every movie quote of every movie he's ever seen. I envy him because I can't do that. Um, there are so many movies and so many... I've seen so much shit in my lifetime that some of it is just blended into a big blob. Mad God will not be part of that. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, maybe this won't be your thing either. Uh, this is a movie that has a love-hate relationship with the audience. Uh, for this guy, for me, your reviewer, this was definitely my thing. Uh, what exactly happens in this movie? Okay, I, so, like I said, I had to rewatch this a couple times. I wasn't some brainiac that had it figured out the first time. No. First time I watched it, I actually called it my choose-your-own-adventure movie. Like, it was like, I don't know what's going on, so I'll just make it up as it's going along. And maybe that's the way to do it, too. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe this is that kind of movie. But anyways... From what I've gotten over my last few watchings, and I have read some stuff, I'm, I'm not, a, not a scholar here on this movie, okay? So, basically the story is something like this. We have the last man. He set this all in motion. So, in the beginning of the film, we meet the assassin. The assassin, he goes down some hellish world, like into some hellish world. He's using what's called a diving bell. I had to look what that thing was called. I had to look it up because I had no fucking clue. I was like, I'm doing my review. I'm like, how, how do I describe this thing? It's like an elevator on a string. But it was basically called a diving bell. Anyways, he's the assassin's got some map appears to be made out of rotting flesh or some form of decaying paper or something like that. Anyways, he gets to the bottom of the dive and he begins to search around. He's following his map. He's coming up across all sorts of hideous monsters, tortured souls, burnt and broken dolls, masturbating dolls. There's all this fucking weird shit. It's a fever dream of what hell would probably look like if it existed. Honestly, it's fucked up. Uh, we see he's going further through this hell and we see these faceless drones being created. Kind of like most workers in our world today, you know, faceless and nameless, doing their part in a community or society that won't remember them and won't give a shit anyways. Um, you, We know these people. They remember during the pandemic when it first started and they were calling retail workers essential? And now retail workers are back to being the scum that you bitch at when you get charged an extra two cents on your fucking gum. Like... What the fuck? Anyways, I especially love the idea that also in this movie they have like, okay, the ruling body of these, the army of drones or whatever, talks in baby gibberish. And I'm like, that's amazing because I've been saying for the longest time that the rulers of our current world structure and whatnot are basically big babies. Um, but keep voting them in, people. Do your part for a society that doesn't give a shit about you. You are making the difference. Believe that. Anyways. Our assassin finds out how much of a difference he makes, too, when he gets captured. So this happens, okay? So I know, it's like I said, this movie's a clusterfuck, but at the same time, there is a narrative in there somewhere. Because now he gets captured. He's stripped down and tortured in front of an audience, no less. It looks kind of like a movie theater thing, sort of like Mystery Science Theater, when you got the three guys, you know, sitting in front mocking the movie. Well, it looks kind of like that, sort of. Um, anyways, uh, he gets stripped apart and tortured in front of an audience, sort of like cancel culture. Yes, humiliate, destroy, call it all activism. Yes, yes, Twitter warriors of the world. Sit there on your couch and change the world. Anyways, so <laughs> I'm being really nasty at the moment. Um... 
So, anyways, he gets tortured, and then he's left to rot for a while. Uh, quite a long while, apparently. Um, that part I read that supposedly this takes a long time because the bandages decay and stuff. So, apparently, it's insinuated he's been there a while. Uh, and then he eventually, the, the, a surgeon and a nurse come in, and they do this surgery, this form, uh, a form of medical procedure, I guess. It's uh, They're prodding around inside his insides, you know, like crack open his chest and whatnot. And they're pulling out all jewelry and books, and there's like something like um, a, a manual of how to fight war and stuff like that. So basically... The way I took that was I was looking at it that like on the inside of this assassin is his memories of his life. It's it's his inner being. That's how I kind of took it. Anyways, uh, what life gave to him, you know, and what he found through his journeys. That's kind of what I took from it. And then eventually the surgeon digging around finds this baby. It's, 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 it looks like a slug or something. It's like it's a baby. It's crying like a baby. So he gives it to the nurse and she leaves. This is where it really starts to get confusing because it starts doing this jumping thing all over the place. But anyways, the, the movie warps to another story. And this is with The Last Man now. Um, I will say, played by Alex Cox, wonderfully. He's actually really good. Um, at first, I thought The Last Man was bringing the assassin back to life when I was watching this. But then I saw someone online say that they took it that it's a replacement assassin. It's a new assassin. And according to Wikipedia, that's the case. So... I don't know. I still thought it would have been kind of cool if it was the same assassin, but apparently it's a different one. Anyways, whatever, this a new assassin, he now goes down the diving bell into the hell. Um, again, he has his map that um, was apparently given to him by some witches, I guess, or something like that. Um, again, something I had to read up on. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a brain scholar here, but anyways... He's following his map now through these horrendous hellscapes. I do love the Greybeard. I will say that. That was awesome. Um, and then he comes to some square-shaped descending path, which he goes down in a Jeep. He's, like, in the Jeep he's driving because he finds this Jeep and he's driving it. I'm not sure it would go like that, though, because the way it's, like, animated... It's like the corners are too sharp because it's square and not round, but whatever. Meh. As the movie gets close to the end, we now see that the nurse with the baby, she this has jumped to that part of the story now. She gives the baby to some black cloaked figure. Um, I guess that's the witch, so to speak, or whatever. Uh, I saw the word alchemist mentioned somewhere as well. Anyways, this baby now gets brought to some room and is turned into some crystal-like thing. And those crystals apparently create a new world. And the assassin, who has a bunch, he has a suitcase which apparently has a bomb in it that's supposed to go off. Well, the bomb never goes off because this baby creates these crystal like things and it creates a new world that basically looks like another ruined hell, but I guess it's the new world. And the mad god in the title is apparently the last man. It's supposed to be that he set this all in motion. And that part I had to read up quite extensively on because, yeah, the ending was confusing to me too. And I, like I said, I've watched this four times. I'm still not sure about everything I've watched, but I did like what I saw. Um, the response to this movie from others, uh, before I get into my responses, uh, has been everything from gloriously amazing to absolute shite. Uh, <laughs> the comment section on Shudder is like a lot of 
like raving reviews, and then you get that one guy that comes along and goes, "This movie fucking sucks." I didn't understand a thing that was going on. I think it was last week. I said I think a lot of movies deserve at least a second viewing. I've watched, like I said, four times now. I admit I'm still confused to certain few things, but I am starting to get the gist of what's going on now. Um, I do get it. Uh, and uh, fuck, I, I might as well say this. Even for people that don't know what's going on with the movie, they still seem impressed with what they saw because I saw a lot of comments that it was like, I have no clue what I just watched. I don't care. I love this. I'll watch it another five times and stuff like I'm seeing stuff like that too. So it seems like the majority consensus on this one is one of admiration, astonishment and respect and being confused in a state of confused, like a, a st- I don't know. It's just, it's a movie that if you kept up with my rundown of the movie, by the way, kudos. Cause I know I was, kind of all over the place but if you've seen this movie you know what I'm talking about it's that kind of movie it's all over the place but it's weird because it's like kind of like my friend calls like what what he would call an organized mess um and that's like it doesn't make sense but it does uh if you see this thing um i mean in terms of approval ratings Rotten Tomatoes has it at 92% approval rating, but the audience score is at 63. Metacritic has it up at 80, but IMDb holds it at 6.8 out of 10, which is weird because 7 is the highest ranked vote, with 8 being the next highest vote, and then 6? Which is almost just as confusing as the fucking movie itself. But, um, I mean, like the animation is just beautiful the music is fucking great i love listening to the score the the night i found out the score was online like i was at work listening to it like the whole night and just had it on repeat all night long and then you know only days after it had its premiere i think it was like three days later waxwork announced that they've got the vinyl up for pre-order and i'm like sold like i i didn't i didn't even hesitate it was like i Let's put it this way. I was on there ordering it before they had even promoted it on social media because they had hinted that it was coming. So I was watching that Friday morning and I'm like, there it is. Boom. Bought. Like, this movie is weird because it shouldn't be something that you love, but we do. Podcast Zero Rating. I wrote a bit for this. So I'm going to, some of it I'm going to read, some of it I'm not going to because. I know what I'm going to say because uh, it's confusing and gorgeous. It's a mind fuck. And it's one that I love. This is not a movie for cushy mainstream movie audiences. Okay. So that's the thing. That's the thing with this movie. This movie will never be uh, like unanimous. Unana- I can't say that word. <laughs> it won't be loved by all. I'm not even going to try to say that word. Um, it, it, it's not a rom-com. It's not a Marvel movie. You're not going to find that here. I will say this. This movie rivals the sadness for movie of the year for me. Like when when I was done watching this, I was like, oh shit. Shudder put out not one, but two amazing movies in one year span. And the year's not even done yet. So who knows what the fuck is next to come. There's one that they got coming out this month called Malak or Malosh or something like that. Looks 
fucking awesome. I'm like, oh my God, another one? Like, way to go shutter. Like, keep them coming. We shouldn't be spoiled like this. And the funny thing is, is they say originality has died in the movie industry. <clears throat> Whatever. You're not looking in the right spots. Anyway, so the movie, the thing with this movie, no dialogue, no narration. It's a visual, artistic masterpiece of scenery and spectacle. Gorgeous stop motion animation. I saw this video on Twitter where they showed like just just showing the assassin walking for like a couple minutes in the movie, like took them like days because everything had to be like just slowly moved bit by bit by bit. That takes a lot of work. Um, and you gotta mention it. I have to mention it's blended with live action. Uh, see, as live action scenes, there's some puppetry in it. This is what the art of film was meant for. This is what that whole art form is. This is what it's for. Um, some have said there is no plot to this whatsoever, that it's just random animation with no direction. Well, that's why I also say it's not for the mainstream. It's not a three act Marvel movie or some phony rom com flick. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, um, Put a, an expo- exposition dump on you. It's not going to do that. This one's going to play with you. And it's going to keep you thinking well after the final credits have slipped the screen. It's going to have you coming back. Even if... It, that's the thing. I noticed a lot of people were saying, like, I have no fucking clue what I just watched. I got to watch this again. Like, that was the thing. It's one of those movies where it's like, you're in complete awe. You don't know what you just watched, but you're going to watch it again because... You insist you're going to figure it out. Some of it I figured out on my own. Some of it I didn't, and I needed help from the internet. This is horror and beauty all in one. I say this one is absolutely recommended. But the thing is, is that if you're looking for, you know, Groot-like animation, or you need animation to be cute and cuddly, odds are you should just spare yourself the mindfuck because you probably can't handle something like this. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying it because you're going to get 20 minutes into this and turn it off. Don't waste your time. Nine out of ten. That's what I'm giving. I I was trying to think of something clever to give it like a nine out of ten, like something. But I half these monsters in this movie, I don't even know what to call them. I don't even know they're they're spud like some of them. They're, they're they're drones. There's like I said, there's a master. There's a couple masturbation scenes with dolls. Like it's weird, but it was so gorgeous at the same time it's sort of like when i was talking about deranged and that one guy was saying like um that he thought ezra cobb was adorable at times and i'm like that is an odd word to use this is kind of like that too in that this is a completely hellish looking world but it's gorgeous at the same time um so it's nine out of ten i originally had it at a ten but i do recognize that at times this movie confused me as much as it did others might be my only complaint in quotations, but uh, at the same time, like I applaud this film for the for it all the same. Because thank you, Phil, for not doing things like everyone else. Yes, it took you thirty years. Yes, you, you had to use a Kickstarter to fund some of it and whatnot. Yeah, okay, the Kickstarter thing. Yeah, I know a lot of movies are doing that these days. But the thing is, is that he didn't give up on it in a world that at the time seemed like computer graphics was going to be everything. He's still kind of stuck with it. And I love Phil Tippett for that. I also thank him for the challenge of giving us a film for us to figure out on our own. You know, like it was one of those that it just fucked with me for a while. And it was like, okay, I'm watching it again. I want to see if I can figure this out. And then I watched it again, trying to figure out more. And then I'm like, okay, 
now I'll cave and I'll go to the internet and let's see what people are saying on there. Aside from this movie is shit. Okay. You're a small mind. Get lost. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, nine out of 10. And before I finish this episode, now, Stranger Things Season 4, Part 2. If you don't want to hear spoilers, now's the time to stop. Because after I'm done this, I'm just going to say where to find the podcast and all the other stuff. You've heard that before. Okay, so here is the thing. Stranger Things Season 4, Part 2. Two episodes. One called Papa, one called The Piggyback. Some of the best TV I've seen pretty much since The Haunting of Hill House, which I still believe is a 10. This was fucking awesome. And I know that's an expression that everybody's saying, and it's fucking awesome, it's fucking awesome. And you're like, yeah, I know, I've heard it. <laughs> I can't stress enough how awesome this was. This The fourth season is now my favorite of the lot. And it's because it hits way too hard in all the best ways. Emotionally, cinematically, I mean, and, and as much as that first season is practically flawless, it's the first season has always been that one that I've been like, this is the best. This one just hit with an emotional peak, like, and it was up and down. It was like a roller coaster ride, but it was wonderful for it. Great storytelling amazing acting performances still had the awesome nods to the past titles and to the 1986 um, Metallica. Yes. Even Metallica. Like, I mean, some of the best cinematography I've ever seen in a television show in probably forever. Like I said, with the exception of the haunting of Hill house, which still blows my mind. Um, if you haven't watched the final two episodes, why are you still listening? I might say that, but when you get to them, enjoy um, Gaten Matarazza, I think that's his name, as Dustin, right up there with Sadie Sink in deserving awards. I, the two of them, hands down, I, and I got it, Justin Quinn as Eddie Munson, he's up there too. Uh, but when Dustin has his moment uh, with Eddie's uncle, after Eddie has died, R.I.P. Eddie, that whole scene, that scene, <laughs> and it's funny because... A lot of people on my social media right now, we're not spoiling things for others. So it's a lot of um, riddles and hints. And my one friend, he writes on there, he's like, you know, I held it together pretty good for the last two episodes. But there's one scene that as soon as it hit, it was, that's it, an uncontrollable mess. And I know what scene he's talking about. It's this one. It's got to be this one. This one has killed everybody <laughs> that I've talked to that has seen it. And they're like, yeah, when Dustin sits down with Eddie's uncle, that's it. So, and Eddie, who plays a killer rendition of Master of Puppets, kudos to Metallica for letting Stranger Things use the song. Because Metallica has always been sort of that band that, you know, we remember the Napster days, right? You know, oh, don't use our music. That's a copyright infringement and this and that and all that other bullshit. Fuck that. No, they were like, Stranger Things, you want our song, Master of Puppets? It's all yours. And it, it, fuck, Kate Bush is seeing record-breaking results right now because of Stranger Things. Uh, Metallica's next. I guarantee you, Master of Puppets is going to be a number one hit again. Um, I loved everything about Stranger Things 4. Um, 
I did so. Okay, so here's my thing, and I'm going to put this theory out there again. Like I said, spoilers, right? You're still listening. Your fault. Uh, I loved everything about Stranger Things 4, but I did see people complaining about Max dying and then being brought back to life by L. I don't think Max is alive, guys. Here is my theory. And I know, here's where the fan speculation comes into play. And then, you know, year and a half from now when we get season five and everyone's, you know, expectations are, you know, blown apart because we didn't see something coming. Everyone's going to be like, this show sucks. No, <laughs> whatever. I won't be that guy. Uh, but here's my theory. This is I. This is my fan theory I'm putting out there. I think that this is actually part of Vecna's plan. Will has already said Vecna is not gone. He can still sense him. He can still feel him. I think that Max actually is dead. I think that her body is alive because Vecna is animating it. Whether he's whether he's using her as a spy or he's inside of her, there's a part of him that's using her eyes, whatever. And I think he's going to try to use her to break up the kids. Because think about it. Why was he defeated? Because everyone came together all at the right time. If he can separate... But see, that's the thing too. Because when you think about it, a lot of different elements were happening in different parts. Uh, some in Hawkins, some were in Russia and stuff like that. So... Maybe that doesn't work. I don't know. But I think what he's going to try to do is try to separate the herd, break them apart, have them against each other kind of thing, so that in the end, his only battle is with Elle and not Elle and her friends. Ultimately, I think the final fucking battle, I don't even think will come down to Elle facing Vecna. I think it's going to be Elle facing Max, which is going to make for like big emotional impact because... Max and L, like Max was basically L's first girlfriend, best friend. So having L go up against Max, like having to look at her and know that she's fighting what appears to be her best friend, that could really fuck shit up, right? So I'm thinking that I, what the final battle will end up being is that L will either have to face Max to either restore her soul. Maybe Vecna has her soul somewhere. I don't think so. But, you know, restore her soul into her body or put the body of Max to rest so that she can rest in peace. And it'll be a matter of who sacrifices for who because, you know, some people are thinking that Will's not going to make it through season five some people think that l will be the one that dies some will think something that it'll be hopper joyce and whatnot and i mean my theory maybe i'm way off too i think that's where it'll go but i don't know all i do know is that the rumor going around is that when the duffers pitched their idea for season five to the netflix executives apparently there wasn't a dry eye in the room so yeah i have a feeling we're all gonna be shedding a lot more tears next season uh, because if, uh, if you're that kind of person and you know, you shed a lot this season, I'll, I gotta admit them. The last two episodes had me on a up and down roller coaster. Love them for it. But yeah, Duffers apparently tell Netflix, you know, execs how season five is going to go and not a dry eye in the room and they're not seeing it. They're just hearing what's going to happen. It's like, uh oh, we're in for it. So I don't know. So far, season four now officially takes the cake as my favorite season. I think the uh, decision to go full on horror as well definitely helped. Um, I like the nods. I like so much and new characters, old characters. You know, I, the Duffers bringing in Eddie to kill him by the last episode. 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that kind of hurt, but I think that was again proof of good storytelling when a character I've only known for nine episodes when he dies, it's like, oh, shed tear. So I mean, good storytelling, good writing, you know what I mean, and great acting. Like I said, give Gaten and Sadie all the fucking awards, man, because they fucking deserve them. And wow, I can't wait to see these kids' futures take off. It's going to be great. On that note, now, if you're still around, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Babble Fest. I know, it's kind of all over the place. Sort of like Mad God the movie. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Six years of me talking. And some of you have stuck by that full six years. What with the old show and this one. Thank you for that actually means a lot to me uh you know i know last week i was like i'm that guy i don't know how to be nice to people i actually kind of do but it would ruin my reputation you know i'm like eddie like eddie's got like that soft spot but like he comes off as like you know that total metalhead you know it's all about satan and shit like that but you know eddie's got a heart of gold but um yeah Thank you for listening. Obviously, like I joked earlier, you know where to find the podcast. You know, most major podcast streaming apps and whatnot. On social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email me at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. No, I am never getting a TikTok. (laughs) Not that anyone has ever asked, but it will never happen. I don't care for you. I am... I'm seeing this a lot lately on Facebook that now a lot of the videos that are on the reels and whatnot are all from TikTok. Stop doing that. I know nobody's listening to me and anyone that is that's doing it is going to be like, fuck you, buddy, as they flip me two birds. But yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Next episode, I have a few ideas planned. I haven't confirmed anything yet, so I'm not going to announce it. Because I'm toying with either two reviews or doing something completely different. I don't know yet. So when I decide, you'll know as well. On that note, you need to shut the fuck up. See, you guys, you never listened to me. I said that there was going to be trouble, but you didn't listen to me. You guys are crazy. You know, you